This is Thought and Leader. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of Thought and Leaders, the global podcast which reaches around this beautiful, gorgeous planet of ours to find the most innovative, the most inspiring, and the most intriguing thought leaders that are out there. And today we reach out to Southern Ireland, to Dublin to an extraordinary gentleman, Mr. Patrick Barr. Hello, Patrick. Jonathan, good afternoon. Lovely to be here. Uh, It's lovely uh, of you to agree to join us. Now, tell us a little bit about yourself for those people who may live in a cave somewhere outside Dublin and not heard of you. I have 25 years business experience internationally in London, Dublin and Seattle with British Airways, Diageo and uh, Microsoft, so covering three different sectors. And then latterly, I set up my own business, Bar Performance Coaching, where I'm doing exec leadership coaching with uh, senior leaders in small micro enterprises, as well as major multinationals across the globe. And last year, my book, The Successful Career Toolkit, was published by Kogan Page. And this year, it was translated into Chinese and published in China. One of the reasons that I wanted to get you on the show, Patrick, today was to talk about, to concentrate on those senior people. But from the point of view of people who are aged over 50 and are finding it pretty difficult, well, we're all finding it difficult, let's, let's face it, but finding it really difficult to kind of even get noticed by anybody because they get written off and the COVID stuff is, well, I don't, to be honest with you, Patrick, I'm really not sure. How do people start? What's the first thing? Is it about mindset? This environment is testing our resilience and it's testing our resilience in, in many, many different ways. And I think what we have to do is get the right perspective and put ourselves in the right mindset. And and one of the key competencies of a senior leader, frankly, is optimism. So what we've got to do is we've got to think about our competencies, our experience, and our skill set, and look at how we can apply those in the current world, in the current environment, in a manner that's going to enable us to get noticed. And and by the way, you know, let's let's not be negative here. There are industry sectors that are booming out there. The med tech sector is booming. The technical hardware sector is booming. The IT sector is booming. There are some sectors which are absolutely suffering, and we've got to recognize that. But they will rebound. It's just a question of time as to when that comes about. And what we've got to do is prepare ourselves so that we're ready to catch the wave, so to speak, when the economy fully recovers. Well, there ain't going to be a wave, Patrick, for at least six months. There are opportunities out there. What we've got to do is we've got to position ourselves for them. If we position ourselves in the role of victim of the economy and victim of the environment, well, then, frankly, we are a victim and and, and we're not going to get anywhere. What we've got to do is we've got to look back to how have we dealt with uh, recessions and previous economic trauma. And, and the reality is it was only 10 years ago in the sort of 2008, 2010, that many of us were facing into, you know, some very stark realities. 
But by being innovative, by being creative, by thinking differently about how we apply our skills and competencies, you know, many people came through the last recession and, and frankly rebounded completely and even further. Let's take stock of skills, competencies, and experience. And let's look at how we can turn those skills, competencies, and experience into, frankly, a value proposition. So when we're talking to either former colleagues or friends or people in our network, we've got to engage those folks in a manner that makes it very easy for them to understand the value and impact we bring to an organization. We understand that ourselves, but actually we don't make it very easy for other people to understand it. This is the impact I deliver if I am working for an organization. It's not what you did. It's the meaning of what you did. That's what you're saying. It's the impact you will deliver. So put yourself in the shoes of the person who may be hiring or, or may have a position or a vacancy or a need for something. You, you get a lot of people saying there on your CV, you've got to talk about what was the outcome, what was the outcome, where basically you were the person who just got things done. And in terms of great outcomes, it wasn't directly because of you. You were one of the people who was, was essential, of course. You couldn't honestly say it was directly because of you. But these resumes, they kind of make us think we're supposed to be kind of supermen or something, you know, Wonder Woman or something. What you are is, is you are a critical enabler. So anybody running a business understands that there's going to be subject matter experts who may not want, frankly, to be the, the MD or the CEO or whatever. They bring a a tremendous depth of subject matter expertise, and that subject matter expertise enables the success of the organization. What you've got to be able to do is draw a correlation between how what you were doing enabled the success of other people in the organization. There's lots of people who do extraordinarily good work in the area of compliance and making sure that a company is compliant. They don't drive revenue. They don't reduce costs. They may not be at the forefront of product development or whatever, but the role that they provide is critical at enabling the overall success in an organization. And an organization relies on a diversity of skill sets, of thought capabilities. You just need to know how what you bring to the table enables others to be successful. It goes back to the idea of the who, the what, the why, the where, the when, and the how. It, it goes back to those things that as a journalist I was taught in terms of telling any story. First of all, it has to be a story. You've got to know what you're passionate about, what to get your energy from, what is going to bring you alive. Because frankly, when you come into that organization, they want you to contribute 
not just the, to the nuts and bolts, but also to the overall culture within the organization. And, and as you've pointed out, having your story well articulated is, is critical in that process. At the interview stage, if you were to prioritize these three questions, which I'm about to put to you, that would be uh, uppermost in the employer's uh, mind, will you do the job? Can you do the job? Or will it be that number three is will you fit in? So what's most important? Will you do it? Can you do it? Or can you fit in? I think of it as a three-legged stool. We've got to think of them as a triumvirate together. And let's look at what the three questions mean, because on the face of it, they're very simplistic. Can you do the job is very simply, do you have the skills, the competencies and the experience to do the job? Now, what's really critical in answering that question is that you draw a correlation between the competencies you have and the impact that you're going to have in the business. So whenever I'm talking to a senior business leader and I ask him or her about their competencies, they'll tell me they've got loads of competencies. They have them all. You see, that's great. I said, that's fantastic. And then I say to them, I said, well, how do you display the competencies? And, and usually there's a little bit of silence there. And then maybe they say, oh, here's an example of where I displayed that competency. And then I go to them, well, can you draw a correlation between displaying the competency and delivering a business impact. And that's what's really, really important in answering the question, can you do the job? Competencies are a bit like a set of golf clubs. Having a set of golf clubs does not make you a good golfer. It's how you use the golf clubs to get the ball into the hole is what determines whether you are a good golfer or not. And, and therefore, leaders and people going into an interview need to go, look, it's not about I have this competency. Here's how I can demonstrate how I use this competency to deliver a good business outcome. Will you do the job is do you have the passion, the energy, the charisma to inspire those who will either work for you or with you to do their best work? In the UK and Ireland, we were always brought up to be, how shall I say, maybe reserved. We laugh at American people who talk about how brilliant they are. So, so sometimes this one doesn't come naturally to a senior individual from the UK and Ireland. And it's really one we've got to sharpen. The millennials of this world are looking for authentic leaders to appropriately display their passion, their energy, and in a manner that will inspire others to do great work. So that's the, will you do the job? It's not, will you turn up at nine o'clock on Monday morning? It's, will you behave in a manner that is inspiring to your new colleagues? And you've got, we've got to display that in the interview. Which then brings me to the third part of the stall. Will you fit in? Yeah. And again, we're seeing in all of the, the research that people's values and people's integrity is really, really important here. 
So you do need to look at the company and you need to go on the company website and you need to talk to people who deal with the company whom you're thinking of, of, of applying to. And you need to ask them about, look, what are the values of this company? What is the culture of this organization? And is the culture of this organization and are the values of this company, are they consistent with my personal values? And if they are, the probability is you will fit in. You will fit in. And what you can do in the interview is, is talk about how, look, I've, I've looked at your website, I've seen your culture, I've seen your values, I've talked to people who either work for the company or are maybe customers of the company or suppliers of the company, and they've told me that you have great values and this, this, and this, and that you walk the talk. And by the way, those values are consistent with my personal values, and that's that's why I'm attracted to this role. The, the will you fit in one is, you know, it, it, it's important. Some people have a, um, a, a workforce that is predominantly 20-somethings, 30-somethings. Some people have a, some organizations have a workforce that are predominantly 50-somethings, 60-somethings. And some organizations will have somebody from each decade. And what you need to be able to show in the interview is, is that, look, I can relate to people in all of these decades. Even if you are going to push yourself a bit more, it doesn't mean that the rest of the local audience is going to appreciate that. We don't kind of like people who shout too much over here, do we? The worst case scenario is is somebody saying, I didn't know. You know, I mean, how many people are out there saying, God, Jonathan, I am just crying out to listen to a magnificent podcast. Yeah, that would be this one then because you're on it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and. And then they're there going like, uh, well, I didn't know about it. So, and because I didn't know about it, I'm, I'm not listening. We have to strike a balance and we have to find people who are interested in the value proposition that we're bringing to the table. And what we need to do is, is we just need to make them aware. Now, we can do that in a subtle manner. We don't have to necessarily uh, jump up and down and scream and shout but we do have to communicate. Communication is a core, core responsibility of a senior leader. So if you're not communicating about yourself, it's very difficult for you then to say, oh, well, if I was the MD of this company, I would be communicating. You know, that's, that doesn't ring very true, you know. So, yeah, and, and look, there are ways we can do it. People write articles for the likes of LinkedIn. They write podcasts. They contribute to journals. There's lots of ways in which you can get yourself out there and get yourself known without necessarily feeling that you have to scream from the rooftops. But the thing is, is that I've looked at these articles on LinkedIn they all seem to be much of a muchness. Years ago, when I was a copywriter at one of these very big international advertising agencies, I had a client, one of the world's biggest computer companies. Now, I knew, Patrick, that if I didn't include in the copy words like interoperability, future-proof, and, and about five other words right, uh, and expressions, if I didn't put it in, I never got my copy proved. And it's a bit like that with LinkedIn. It's everybody saying the same as everybody else, and it all starts sounding like vanilla. People are looking for authenticity, but they're still pouring out all the crap on LinkedIn. If, as you say, it's all crap, well, then if somebody's got something intelligent to write, it's going to stand up and stand out. Yeah, but you don't want to say something that's going to stand out too much because unless you're future-proofed and interoperable, 
you ain't in the gang. One of the core things, as, as you will know from your journalism, is, is if you're talking to an audience, you've got to talk to them in the language they want to hear it in. I told you that I'm going to come back to something. I was reading one of these LinkedIn articles, and it was talking about how to get your resume looked at on LinkedIn. And the main thing that this article was talking about was about heading one and heading two. It was how to get past the algorithms. So whilst you, Patrick, are charismatic, experienced, you are highly knowledgeable, you come across as just a really nice guy, I ain't going to get any of that stuff if I'm an employer, potential employer, because the algorithm is choosing which resume is even lands on my desk. We're just becoming numbers. We're not getting to the point that people can meet us. What an algorithm does is it's searching for keywords in your CV. We've got to go and look at the job description that we are applying for and look at the keywords in that job description and the, of what they're looking for. And you've got to make sure that those keywords and expressions are in your CV. If the job was, and I'll just make a, you know, a ridiculous example just for the sake of it. So the job is cooking hamburgers. So I'm going to do uh, hamburgers, meat, cooking, frying, those kind of things. Patrick, you are saying that we are going to dilute ourselves down to just key words, which are just the key words which we're reading about in their advert. In the old days, you sent a letter in, or with it, which was physically hard copy that went into a hard uh, HR department or it went to a recruitment agency. The individual in the recruitment agency or at the junior level in the hard uh, HR department, frankly, hasn't a clue about what's required to be the CEO or whatever. So what he or she is doing or was doing was looking at the job description and comparing a, a CV to the job description. They were just doing it manually. And, and in fact, what they were doing is, is they were picking out the keywords in the job description and they're going, like, oh, look, this person does the keywords in the job description. Oh, that's great. Bang, we'll, we'll bring them for interview. Now all we've done is we've moved that to an algorithm. And, and frankly, the, the techies amongst us would say the algorithm is actually getting a better outcome than the junior person in the recruitment agency or the junior person in the HR department who opened your letter. Oh my God, you are venerating an algorithm. Okay, well, uh, there's more things we can do. So LinkedIn isn't just about the CV. LinkedIn is all about your network. So if I am applying to... A, a job in, in a company, the first thing I've got to do is I've got to look at within my network to see who do I know in that organization. And frankly, it may not, I might not know anybody in the organization, but what it will do is I can look up in LinkedIn, you can look up the organization and it will tell you all of the people and who they're connected to in your network. Right. I'm looking to see if I can get into your company. So all of a sudden, your name comes up, and I see your name, and I see, ah, you're connected to somebody in Kogan Page whom I'm right. connected to. So what I would do is I would go to that person in Kogan Page, and I'd say, hey, listen, I'm really interested in a job in Jonathan's company. Mm. Can you introduce me, please?
So now I've bypassed the bot altogether or the algorithm or whatever it happens to be. And I've got a direct connection to you. And I am now using that connection to portray the value that I can have to your organization and your company. Right. That's the wonderful, in fact, the beautiful thing I would say about LinkedIn. It's all about leveraging the power of your network. Whilst the writing of an article or whatever would just make people aware that you're out there using the LinkedIn to connect and to get introductions, now that's very powerful. There are a lot of people that I've grown up with who, frankly, when it would come to keywords, they wouldn't have the keywords, Patrick, because they flunked it at school, they flunked it at college, they flunked it at uni, but they became incredibly successful people. Today, unless you can tick box that you have this sort of qualification, that sort of qualification, all the rest of it, the algorithm isn't lateral enough to figure out that, okay, this person doesn't have the experience that we're looking for in terms of keywords, but actually, as an intelligent algorithm and as an intelligent bot, I can see that whilst they don't have that, they have the potential to do something. And in the old days, when you and I used to go for jobs, we could sit in front of the recruitment agent, we could sit in front of somebody or other, and they could recognize for themselves as people that whilst we didn't have that experience, we could be shaped into this world. We had other things that we could bring to it. And in truth, what a lot of organizations will do is they will help the, the people you have just talked about tell their story because they still have to be able to tell their story. Nobody, we can't get away from that. And what we'll do is we'll tell the story in a manner that yeah. illustrates they have the skills and competencies to be successful, i.e. they have the potential. I still got to get past a bloody bot. In the old days, you had to get past the junior person who opened the CV in, in the recruitment agency or in the HR team. You still had to get past the first line of defense. What people can do is, here is my value proposition. I'm going to write my value proposition in a way that the algorithm is going to respond positively to. of our conversation, Patrick, you were talking about mindset. A lot of these jobs send you to a website where you're going to have to complete some exhaustive form. And it's going to take you forever and ever and ever, especially if we do what you're saying, which is like tailor each one as as you go along. And you do get to the point and you say, I can't be bothered because I've had so many rejections now that to put myself through all of this mm. in the knowledge that I'm probably going to get another rejection, 
you know, in terms of mindset, it's really pushing us. It's pushing our mental health. Mm. If we are living alone, it's pushing us. If we're with partners, if we're family, whoever it is, it's pushing us. We're worried about mortgages. We're worried about all sorts of things. And to add on top of it, the stress of having to fill out, you know, a 10-page form with the knowledge that it's probably going to go nowhere, it's, it's pretty disheartening. It is tough. But frankly, if something is worth having, it's worth fighting for and it's worth putting in the groundwork. Anybody who's had a career in sales knows that you get a lot of doors shut in your face before you get the one that opens up that says, hey, we're delighted that you called. For sure. And that tests our resilience. It's not easy. It's not pleasant. But ironically, one of the things I'm sure the per- that individual who's thinking of, oh, look, I just couldn't be bothered, when he, if he or she gets to an interview, I'm sure they're going to go, oh, yeah, I'm really resilient. I can battle my way through all sorts of tough things and challenges that life throws at me. So true. So really what we're having to do is, yes, the hiring company does put in barriers because they don't want to be flooded with hundreds of thousands of applications. So they put in a few hurdles. People self-select themselves out If you get to the point, you just think, you know what, I'm only going to apply for jobs where I don't have to fill in loads of form, but I'm just going to send off my CV and I'm going to play the numbers game. Hit enough tomatoes on the wall and eventually you'll get a margarita. (laughs) But we've got to wait. But we've got to wait. Yeah. So therefore, are you saying that ain't going to work? Don't even bother doing it because unless you're going to go through every single application and tailor it, it's not worth doing this en masse. I I would suggest, yes, it's a much better strategy to be targeted. Mm. Work out what sector do you want? What type of role do you want? Go after those roles. Sometimes it's less is more. If you're more targeted and more focused, you will end up getting the role that you want as opposed to the scattergun approach, which means you may get a job offer, but it's a job offer in a role that you don't want. Um, So you're going to, why did I bother in the first place? Yeah. People are reviewing absolutely everything about their lives. Uh, COVID has se- seemed to have uh, been the catalyst for that sort of thing. And some people might say, you know what, why not go for it? Why not start up a business? Do you think this is a good time to start up a business? It, it could be. Some of the biggest companies in the world were started in the middle of the worst recessions possible out there. <laughs> So we we know Cirque du Soleil was hugely successful. It started in Canada in 1982. Microsoft was started in the middle of a whacking great big recession. Right. There are lots of examples of companies that actually start in the middle of a recession. Right. No matter when you start a company, it's going to have to live through a recession of some description because we know you're going to hit a recession at some stage. So you may as well start in a recession because then there's a better chance of you being prepared for A, the next recession, but B, you're in a better position to catch the wave when the economy picks up. Wow. If you are predisposed to starting your own business, now is as good a time as any. You need money, don't you, Patrick, to make money. And so people are being very conservative for very, very obvious and good reasons with whatever little money that they have. I I don't know, will the banks be open in, in this era to people saying, I have a new idea? There's local enterprise grants, there's government grants of various shapes and sizes. 
Um, and, and frankly, the, the first question you've got to ask is not really, where am I going to get the money from? The first question you've got to ask is, do I have a product or service that meets the need? So you've got to find a customer first. You've got to find somebody who says, hey, I not only have a need for your product or service, but I'm willing to pay for your product or service. So that's what you have to find first. So long before you look at setting the thing up, you must have a customer first. Work out what is your USP and how will you protect your USP. Work out why would somebody buy my product or service if they could get it from somebody else for free. Is that the big one? That's the big one. It's a bit like producing these podcasts, actually. Do you go for the free route? Or you don't go to the free route. If you don't go to the free route, someone else will put it out for free anyway. So it's really, really very, very difficult. So what do you do in a case like that? We've got to find somewhere a, a way in which somebody is going to eventually monetize our product. So either they pay for it or you find a different way of getting revenue for it. So the apps people who put their stuff out for free, but then they have what the expression is freemium. So you get a certain amount for free, but if you want the premium service, you pay for the premium. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that, that is a way in which people straddle two horses, for want of a, a better expression. Yeah. If something is good enough, built well enough, it's designed well enough, conveyed appropriately, and so on and so forth, then build it and they will come. Do you think that that's true, that people will still come to your field of dreams? People pay for quality. People will pay for quality and good value. And, and we can see that in loads of products and services all over the world. And they'll do it because people will pay for value and they'll pay for good quality. So, uh, yes, I do believe it, there's an opportunity. Yeah. Like you, I'm an author. And in some of my books I, I wrote in the past, I was talking about this idea about giving something for free and stuff like that. And I was saying, this is the way forward. But again, between you and me, Patrick, I wonder if, People like myself, not me directly, obviously, I'm, not, I'm nobody that important, but people like me suggesting that people take the free route. This was 10 years ago, maybe even longer than that, actually. Uh, we created a monster because now everyone's offering everything for free and we've almost killed the bloody market because everything is for free. Call me Frankenstein. <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. So, um, yeah, look, it's a challenge. Nothing of these things. And, you, you know, if somebody wants to set up their own business, they are taking on a huge challenge. It's not easy. All of the statistics, all of the things show about businesses failing within the first 12 months, the first five years, the first seven years, all of those sort of good things. But if you're passionate and it gives you a sense of purpose, that may be for your mental health instead of you know, applying to um, organizations where you're getting your CV rejected and all of that sort of good stuff. Maybe setting up your own business gives you a sense of purpose. It gives you something to focus on. It gives you uh, a sense of well-being that, you know, frankly can compensate for not making a huge amount of money out of but it. But do you think that the, that the financial support with COVID is what it was prior to COVID? I think if you have a good product or service, I could say it's even better than it was because governments are now putting more money into creating employment and creating businesses and, and, and finding solutions to problems. So that certainly governments have, have increased 
their investment. In terms of angel investors and, and other investors, I think they're still out there. They haven't gone away. So it's a question of uh, finding who they are and enabling them to invest in you and your business. We know people who are in their 20s and in their 30s and maybe even up to 40s, especially in their 20s and 30s, are having it really, really, really tough. And I'm not going to take that away. That is true. They are having it really, really tough. But the over 50s, I know a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, you've got a home or you had a home or whatever it might be. You have no reason to complain. But they do have it tough, don't they, over 50s? It's not a joke. It's not a joke. It's not a joke. The person over 50 has experience, has competencies, and frankly, has a track record probably of having been there, done that, worn the t-shirt. And there is a value in that. And what they need to do is how are we going to package that value so that I'm attractive to uh, an organization or a group or whatever that happens to Yeah. It's still about selling the USP stuff and all these other brilliant pieces of advice that you've given us, the who, the what, the why, the where, the when, matching and mixing what you've got, what you've done with what people are looking for, knowing that you've got a customer, that there is a need for a product or service like yours. And having the guts, isn't it, Patrick? It's having the guts to, to go out there and to do it, even if you don't succeed first time, at least you're keeping yourself busy because one thing what we all need to do now is keep busy and keep going because unless you keep on moving, you ain't going to go anywhere. Yeah, that's a brilliant summary, Jonathan. You're, you, you hit it spot on. Thank you very much. Now, tell us, because I know the entire planet is saying, I need Patrick and I need him now. How do they get hold of you? Our company website is www.barperformancecoaching.ie. And I'm on LinkedIn as Patrick Barr and also as Paddy Barr, so uh, can be found on LinkedIn. The book I wrote was the Successful Career Toolkit, and that also contains contact details for me through Kogan Page. And again, as Patrick just told us, you can also get his book via the brilliant Kogan Page as well. And of course, now that you're linked into me, you're linked into Patrick's network. And so that must be a wonderful thing because that's what he's telling us that we've got to do is keep on linking. So until next time, thank you once again, Patrick. Thank you, Jonathan. Really enjoyed the conversation. Same here. Uh, Totally inspiring, absolutely categorically enlightening. So to everybody else out there, until next time, stay safe, have confidence. You will make it because there ain't nobody like you. And you know what? The world is waiting to hear from you. Get in touch. Excellent. an opinion on this show perhaps you would like to share your own story with the world you can dm us or contact reinvent at me.com if you're looking for award-winning world-class content strategy that builds your brand once again simply email reinvent at me.com that's reinvent at me.com